Welcome. Oh man, making all kinds of noises. Welcome to Pretty Little Grown Men. We are back. We are testing a microphone. So if we sound a little better, uh, please let us know. Yeah, just it's just because we are better. <laughs> it's a it's a new age of Pretty Little Grown Men. Uh, my name is Dimson Nicola. I'm David Greenwald. I'm eating a slice of cake. Yeah, it's a cinnamon roll cake that my girlfriend made for my birthday. Um, we, Happy birthday! <laughs> I turned 31 yesterday. Boo. Uh, we have with us a guest. Uh, his name is Phil Nelson. Um, I, I want to I call him Engineer Phil from now on. Because maybe every podcast... Because I drove here in a train. <laughs> <laughs> with a funny little hat. Yeah. <laughs> He's wearing a funny little hat right now. Um, it's blue and white striped. Uh, Phil Nelson is the... Uh, the creator of the theme song to our podcast. Um, and in the future, we'll probably be providing more music for our podcast. But he is not prepared today. Um, so he's just here without an instrument and, and his beard. Welcome, Phil. Hi, guys. It's, it's too bad that we can't somehow capture your beard in audio form so that people can see the glory. Well, it's just gonna it's just gonna make the recording sound a little bit warmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here in, in Portland, Oregon. That's true. So it's oh, getting it's getting kind of beer. chilly. It's getting kind of chilly. Uh, um, to give you an idea of the size of Phil's beard, we asked him uh, last night when what he what's the longest time any piece of food has been stuck in his beard, and it was a cocoa crispy. Uh, cocoa pebble, cocoa crispies are gross. <laughs> Oh, you're, right. Are you're right. You're right. The, the the pebble the pebble variety the Flintstones. Uh, that, can that be they do. Yeah, but you have to wait till the end of the podcast. Um, so uh, F- Phil is also here because um, Phil has only seen one episode of Pretty Little Liars, and it is the pilot episode. And uh, this was uh, a few months ago, so we're gonna quiz him on his knowledge of Pretty Little Liars um, and how he felt while watching it. Uh, but before we do that, um, we did not watch Dancing with the Stars this week, but I quickly found out what happened, because I think that we're just going to wait until um, it really gets down to the wire uh, with Janelle, because uh, that show is so fucking long every week, and I don't have two hours no. to kill on watching... I, I can't commit... D-list I can't commit two dance. nights no. to the results and the whole thing. She's literally on stage for about a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. And I can go catch that on YouTube, which we did not do this week, but I'm sure she was wonderful. Yeah, well, you know what happened. So this is what happened. First, of, first of all, uh, the person that was let go was Randy Couture, um, which was kind of a surprise. I kind of expected like Betsy or you know one of the old people to get him, especially what's his face that like NASCAR driver. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a, a walking mess. Um, but uh, two people got perfect scores. Guess who those people were? Janelle. Janelle got a perfect score. And Fresh Prince. No. No. He got on the low end, actually. Oh, that's too bad. Um, it was uh, Bethany Moda. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. How is her ankle doing this week? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> apparently well enough. Yeah. Excellent. Good for her. <clears throat> that was... <laughs> so are we going to see a, a Hollywood star versus a YouTube star in an intergenerational social media battle? I hope so. Mm. Uh, yes, absolutely. That will definitely happen. So, um, yeah, so we're, I think that we're pretty safe in saying that, you know, um, as the weeks pass and Janelle continues to do as well as she's been doing, that we'll maybe do more of a recap uh, when it's less 
watching a bunch of people we don't give a shit about dancing in ways that we don't really care. Sure. Um, but in the meantime, uh, you read a very special book this week. I did. So I just... Bible? <laughs> so I read the Bible. Uh, what did you learn? <laughs> no, I, would like to, I would like to tell you about it. Um, I read something that was also free, uh, and it was the first book in the Pretty Little Liar series by Sarah Shepard called, in fact, Pretty Little Liars. Ah. Um, what I discovered, <coughs> excuse me, it's free on iBooks, by the way, so you can read it. You can read it right now while you're listening to this podcast. You can do two things at once. Um, <laughs> it it essentially is the pilot episode of Pretty Little Liars. It is a it's like a novelization. Um, so does that mean that the entire series? I guess we would have to read the rest of them to find out. Mm-hmm. But there's so many books that they could really be almost an episode to episode. How many books are there? Uh, there's a lot. I don't know. I don't know how many. I, th- I would imagine that, and this, this of course, is all wild speculation, but I would imagine that um, at this point, the books in this in this series are pretty divergent from each other. I, I kind of get that feeling. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they are, especially with actors dropping in and out and like having to make changes based on who's even available to play some of these roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't, I don't, you know, they probably don't want to give us the same ending as the books, which are that Allison is a, which is where the show is pointing us now, of course, but it remains to be seen. Yeah, you know, and so one thing that, there's a lot of uh, differences between the book and the pilot episode, um, a lot of funny things. Uh, one, and I don't know if this is actually a difference, but I don't know if this has ever actually been pointed out, but... Um, uh, Arya's par- Arya is like a much more um, her, her whole family is like much more artsy than in the show uh-huh. um, and so uh, <laughs> so uh, one thing that jumped out to me is, is that um, uh, Arya's brother Mike his full name is actually, actually Michelangelo oh so not just Michael no, he's very he's very artistic. Michelangelo. Okay. Uh, named by Byron Montgomery, who is a like, like Lord Byron. Yes. Uh, also, Byron Montgomery. What a fucking mouthful of a name! It's just like, is he a well, lord or something? Ezra Fitzgerald. I mean, all the characters in the show then have these literary. Is this full name Fitzgerald? It is. He changes his name to get oh, to get away from his past as right. a spoiled rich guy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they, so Arya is encouraged by her parents to call her parents Ella and Byron, which I don't think is actually in the series either. As opposed to mom and dad. As opposed to mom and dad. She slips up though, um, because no kids ever really want to call their parents by their first names. That's just, they want to call them mom and dad. Right. Um, so Mike is, his full name is Michelangelo. Uh, Emily has... Um, a number of brother and sisters, older brother and sisters. Um, all of the girls are described as having blondish hair. Oh, knew it. All, all four. No, that's and different in the series, though. Actually, I should stop describing differences because we want to we want to quiz Phil on. Right, you don't want to give. We're giving him all kinds of spoilers right now. Okay, so we're gonna come up. So we're gonna come up with ten questions to ask Phil to see what he remembers, and then we will grade him. Um, subsequently. Okay, first question, Phil, is what are the names of the four Pretty Little Liars? 
Oh, fuck. Uh, That's not one of the names. No, okay. <laughs> That's one. Uh, uh, no, not Allison. Ella? No. No, that's the name of my cat. Also a mother of a pretty little liar, so half point. Okay. Um, if you get something wrong, you get detracted points, so you could go into the negatives. This is like the SATs. Yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. Do they still do that? Do they take away points in the SATs? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I, th- I, th- I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stand pat with my half point on that question, because I can't go any further. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I I said two of their names. Uh yeah, you did, did you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you bombed that question. Okay, next. <laughs> uh Dave, do you have a question? But it has to be about the the pilot episode. Yes. Oh, okay. Um Who does Emily meet and become attracted to in the pilot? Uh, her sister's fiance. Oh, no, good work. Um, that was uh, Spencer. So Spencer is one of the liars. Okay. And she has a um, a mini teen affair with her. Yeah, with her older sister's fiance. With Ren. With Ren. The British med student. Yeah. Which okay, so now in the book, in the book, uh, Spencer moves out to the barn because she does so well in her PSATs that her parents relent and make Melissa and Ren stay in the house instead. Wow. So she goes out to the barn, and then one night, uh, Ren goes out to the barn and almost has sex with Spencer. Damn, except, except Melissa sees them. Oh, man. Through the windows of the barn. And so then after that, uh, um, Spencer's parents, like, basically, are like, I'm, we're ashamed of you, and force her to move out of the barn. So the books are more, the, even the first book is way more hardcore than the show is. Oh, yeah, they say fuck uh, a number of times, um, and uh, the girls almost have sex a number of times. In fact, uh, okay, I'm not going to go any further because there'll be another question. Um, there's a lot more sex. Uh, a lot more smoking of cigarettes. Um, Spencer has a uh, an emergency pack of Marlboros that she keeps in her purse. Right, just she, in case. But she stress smokes. Um, there's a lot more drinking. And um, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Okay. <clears throat> I have a third question. Somebody does have sex in the pilot. Who is it? Um... Somebody's, uh, somebody who's a teacher who's having sex with a student. Fuck. Wait, who's having sex? Mrs. Merrill. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. Okay, so that's another crazy thing. Oh wait, and was, did, was there like a creepy scene where her, uh, like her daughter or something is watching this happen and she just like sits there and watches it? The cop, Wilden, brings home Mrs. Merrill. They're like going at it. And Hannah's looking like, what? Yeah. And Mrs. Murray's like, don't worry about it. And they just go upstairs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that passing very, like, that happened and everybody was like, oh, don't worry about it. And there's then they a, just kind of moved on. There's a lot of intense moments in the pilot. Yeah. So in the in the book, um, when Hannah's caught stealing, uh, nothing happens with Wilden. It's just sort of, like, glossed over. Um, but 
Then there's a the large party at Nolkan's house, like uh-huh. the, the the party, and Hannah gets dumped by her boyfriend, who um, has taken a virginity pledge, and Hannah wants basically wants to have sex with him at this party, um, and in the woods because that's where because Noel's party is where everyone loses their B card, and um, Sean Sean is the name of her boyfriend. He rejects her, and then um, he rejects her, and then drunkenly she grabs his keys to his dad's car, and with Mona, basically goes on like a super blitz drunk like joyride, and uh, runs into a telephone pole, and ditches the car, and then that's when the, and the police find out that it was her. Right. And that's when, and then so she's arrested, and that's when Mrs. Marin steps in to fuck Wilden. I see. <laughs> Saving it for a crucial occasion. So it's a little bit more extreme where Mrs. Marin's like, okay, time to pull out the pants. Right. That's um, rough. Yes. Okay. So, uh. Well, there's some harsh truths happening <laughs> in, in, the, in the, the novel version of Pretty Little Liars. Um, okay, what's in, so that's three questions, and you've. You've done all right so far. I'd say you're still probably at maybe like at a full point now. Not okay. bad. It's like a thirty-three percent. Yeah, that's okay. Um, who's? You probably won't know this because you can't name any of the liars. Whose father has an affair with the student? Maybe if you could describe how she looks too. Uh, well, that's the thing. Is in my. It's been a while since I've seen it, and so in my mind, all of they all look the same. They. <laughs> <laughs> they all look like uh, blonde girls at the mall. Yeah, okay. Which, I guess, according to the book, they are all blonde, so... Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, totally wrong. I you're, could you're being authentic. Yeah, I could get a full point for that, right? <laughs> no. Um, no. Oh, God. <laughs> no. This is like the PSATs. In that... I, I don't know. You can make an analogy. You made an analogy. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um... Let's see, what's another good question? Um, is is um, Allison alive in the pilot? Uh, no, she's been missing for a long time, and then they find her at the end, right? Or they find a body at the end. Yes, but I think there's a shot where we see Spencer looking into Allison's house, and we see a blonde person running by the window, and we don't know if it's real or not. So, so maybe. Either way, I think I think we should give you a point for that answer. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. That's the gist of what the, That's, the story I mean, that was is. my takeaway, is that uh, she's she had been missing, they found a body, but then all these people with shitty lives start getting like texts with details about their shitty lives. Mm-hmm. That's a really good description. <laughs> Full point. Yeah, you kind of described pretty much the plot. Okay, here's a bonus question. How did you feel watching the pilot episode of Pretty Little Liars? Uh, <clears throat> this is like the essay question. Five paragraphs. <laughs> I mean, that that's pretty subjective. So how I felt was that um, this show was definitely not made for me. Like the the demographic focus was is not 
31-year-old, extremely bearded guy. <laughs> but... Well, hey. But... Uh, in spite of that, like, there was way more complicated stuff that was going on writing-wise than, uh, I would have guessed for what the show's target demographic seemed to be. I was hoping you were going to say J.J. Abrams lost. (laughs) But no, you didn't go there. That's okay. Would that have got me a full point? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But, uh, that answer doesn't get you any points. Yeah. You're wrong. Yeah, that was just, wait, how could he be wrong? Because yeah, the real answer is you felt creeped out by all the statutory rape that was happening. Yeah, that is creepy. Yeah, there you go. Which is much more. I, I think that's your your subjective answer, Tom. <laughs> hey, I'm well, the one doing the grading here. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to ask Phil about how you made the song um, for our podcast because I think we thought it would be a cool idea to do like. The sort of dancing, like heavy metal version of the theme song. We thought that would be really funny, but you did such an amazing job of bringing it to life. I um, I had been watching a lot of Metalocalypse at the time, and uh, I think Brennan Small is is wonderful at at doing that. Like the writing and the uh, songwriting on the show is great. Um, so I tuned my guitar, uh, the low E string down to C. Oh. Because you have to make it heavier. Lower than drop D. Lower than drop D. Nice. Um, and then I just kind of tried to, to to channel the darkness of Metalocalypse into Pretty Little Liars. And in my mind, the juxtaposition worked really well. Because, like, you know, the the song, uh, the theme song as it stands is very, like, um, uh, it's kind of coy. Sure. It's very um, dainty. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is not at all what... Um, what you guys had said that you wanted, so I wanted to make something like meaty with a bunch of um, a lot of heaviness and notes and growling. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. It was super fun to do that because that's not—it's kind of uh, outside of stuff that I typically do. But it, it's always fun to kind of stretch and do that stuff. Yeah, I think you should put it on iTunes because there are so many Pretty Little Liars fans who probably are searching iTunes constantly and finding our podcast to subscribe below, um, but also would probably run into your cover. There's a guy who does pretty much that, and he'll he'll write songs that are called, like, uh, called Whatever's Popular That Year, or uh-huh. at that moment. And he writes hundreds of songs a year and just, like, pumps them out. Um, and he's made a substantial amount of money in the last couple of years doing that because people will, like, search for... Lady Gaga or something, and this guy will have an album called Lady Gaga, and they'll be like, sure, I'll get that too. And so he's made kind of like money on <laughs> the side based on just being peripherally related. So I should cash in on Pretty Little Liars fan. Yeah. Have you thought about other genres in which to do the song? Um, well, in preparing for this podcast, I started, started thinking about that, but haven't... Um, we're taking requests, by the way, if you'd like to write in. Um, our, uh, I don't know if our audience is at the size where people make requests yet. Yeah, let us, let us know what what kinds of, what, what other genres could the theme song be in. I'm thinking, I'm hearing like a bluegrass, like Mumford and Sons version with like really twangy harmonies. Stomp clap. Stomp clap, pose, haze. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we can submit it to radio for, for airplay contention on a clear channel. Do we even remember who wrote that this, the theme song? 
No. And the original version, I think the version on the PLL, um, you know, the title theme, I think is a different mix or a different version or something because the original sounds really different. Um, and I don't know if it's actually a good song. Um, but it sounds pretty, the production style, it just sounds a lot like cleaner and tighter on the, uh, the TV version. Oh. Hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's not my favorite song. I think the show is kind of, it spotlights music in a big way a lot of the time, but the music supervision to me is not as iconic as like BOC or one of these shows where it's like, yeah, where you really wanted to run and see what that song was after, Mm -hmm. but maybe I'm just too old and it's not 2004 and I'm not relating to these artists in the same way. Perhaps we need, perhaps we should be the music supervisors on Pretty Little Liars. What uh, what would be your, your supervision notes? Uh, More songs that I recognize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is probably a bad a bad note. I, I think Pretty Little Liars <clears throat> falls into the Grey's Anatomy uh, fault. Because uh, Grey's Anatomy is the same way, which it, it makes stars, or it, at one point it did, I don't know if this is still the case anymore, with access to music the way that it is, but um, it makes, Grey's Anatomy made stars out of, like, you know, artists who were featured on there, but all of the music was incredibly sappy, um, pretty, like, like by the numbers, uh, melodramatic, melodramatic, songwriter balance, female singer-songwriter, which is, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having that gender bias by any means, but at the same time, it it makes it makes all of the uh, emotional beats uh, whenever there's music to to be pretty much exactly it's the, the same. same. Yeah, it's the same vibe. Yeah, and I think that's true for Pretty Little Liars too, where it's like the pilot actually had more interesting music selections, and this is true in the OC pilot. If you watch the first two three episodes of the OC, there's more hip hop. There's like all kinds of things going on, and then they sort of figure out about eight or nine episodes into the show, this is going to be a show about Death Cab for Cutie and the Shins, and it like pivots pretty substantially. Um, and I think they changed music supervisors as well about halfway through season one. Wasn't that also when Ryan stopped being such a thug? Well, it's like there's a hip-hop sequence when they go to this you know random party uh, and Ryan gets punched by Luke, who says, Welcome to the OC, bitch. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you, in future episodes of the OC, you would expect like a brooding, not a surf song to be played in that moment. Yeah. But it's it, it hadn't found its identity yet. <laughs> Whereas Pretty Little Iris has had you know five years to decide it's pretty much just going to play these kind of glossy songwriter ballads slash mm-hmm. songs. Which are pretty much, I think that it's been pretty intuitive at one point that uh, these, are, these are just all the songs that Arya listens to. Sure. Um, Do you think she's the soundtracker of the show? Because we know Hannah likes Elliot Smith. Hannah's isn't the good music. We do? Yeah. Oh, that's also from the... Wait, when, how do we know that Hannah it happens, Smith? It happens in a show where she breaks up with somebody and she's like lying in bed listening to Elliot Smith and her mom makes a joke about it to somebody. Oh. Which is a surprise at the time, right? Because you think of Hannah as like um, this sort of uh, vapid mall rat mm-hmm. and you think that Aria would be the person who would be into... You know, a kind of indie, a sad bastard singer songwriter type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But then Elliot never gets played on the show, which is a bummer because he's the best. 
in the books, um, they in the books they really don't mention any music except for once, and that's when uh, Ren goes out to uh, the barn, um, which Spencer is newly christened by, you know, like obsessively, and she's also like super duper obsessive in the book. She, I think, like has crazy OCD where she, if she loses, if she feels like she's losing control at all, she like arranges everything and like. Like even like her her term papers from school, she arranges by. She's like, oh, I should do it by by subject instead of author this time. Uh, like, oh you know, man. Like that. Um, but so Ren goes out to the barn and uh, there's uh, he's like, um, it's like he looks at the Tom York poster on Spencer's wall <laughs> and great. he says, oh, you like Radiohead? And Spencer's like, yeah, I love them. And he says, oh, I've seen them in London like five times. <laughs> and Spencer is so impressed that he's in the Ravenhead. That's pretty awesome. Um, I want Spencer Hastings loves loves the head. <laughs> I I want to ask you, Dom, having having read this first book, uh, would you go and read the five million more that follow, or would you stick with the show? Um, both. I mean, I actually was surprised by the book. It was, um, and I know this. This is so shitty because it's it's a young adult book and it's obviously tailored for teenage girls, but it's very um, realistic about what I think I can only assume that teenage girls go through during high school. I mean, you know, just like um, like Hannah, uh, her her issues with bulimia are um, uh, uh, very upfront in the novel. They're they're quite a large part of her story and her character arc um yeah and like they you know they're they deal with a lot of drinking about like losing their virginity uh um you know t- tobacco use uh sure. the, the pressures of school there's obviously there, it's intimated that there is spencer has a big secret and i don't know if it's either um the fact that she it m- might be that killed she, Bethany Young with a shovel. Yeah, it might have something to do with the night because the the way that it's set up, the way that the whole disappearance of Allison is set up in the books is that she they went out to the barn. She hypnotized them, which is really weird. She's like, "I want to hypnotize as, you," as opposed to drugging them, right? Because that seems more realistic, right? And then they got hypnotized, and then it's basically like they just kind of woke up from this like hypnosis, and Spencer was gone. And then, like, like in the in the show, and Spencer came back, and everyone's like, "Where's Allie?" And then she was gone. And then three years pass in the book, like right? Two years, right. three years. Um, and so it was it was a lot more uh, realistic than I thought, but it's still the male characters in the book feel, and because the inappropriate relationships between adult males and teenage girls. Uh, is is uh, because it's a book. It those relationships are are way more developed. You know, sure. um, there's a lot more encounters between them, uh, and you get a lot more intimate details of those encounters, and so it feels more intense. And you kind of hate the male characters even more. Like after reading the book, I I hated Ezra even more than I already hate him, which is pretty substantial. Sure, um, it's grosser. It, he he. Calls Arya while she's at Noltan's party, and he's like, "Hey, where are you? He's, he's what are like, you doing? Are you at the party? Uh, I've just been drinking scotch and thinking of you." And then she goes over to his apartment, and they almost have sex, but 
nakedly they decide at the last minute that they should wait. Well, like it fucking matters at all. That's intense. Yeah. And then, and then, and I don't know if this happened in later episodes, but so she's she's lying naked in bed while Ezra's, you know, I don't know, fluffing his pubes in the bathroom or something, and he, uh, she gets a text, an A text, and freaks out because it's talking about um, what what had just happened. Right. So she freaks out, drops her phone, and runs out of the apartment. Uh, and then she realizes later that she didn't put on her pants. <laughs> Almost. Boy, was uh, her face red. <laughs> <laughs> that she left the phone there, and so when she goes, so after she, after Allison's body is discovered, she's you know really, um, really upset. So she wants to go and talk to Ezra because she's madly in love with him, and uh, he is pissed off because he found the, the repeatedly beeping phone. Right. And sees the texts, um, and it's just like, "Am I a joke to you?" Like I, I thought, like his apparently the you know, texts were talking like making it, like they were a text, so they were making a joke out of her relationship with him, and so she, fr- so he freaks out, and like it's just like, "Get out, get out!" and like yells at her, Whoa. throws a book at her head as Whoa. she's leaving. Abusive behavior. Yeah, this guy's a real asshole. He is a real asshole. Yeah, yeah, he's a. I mean. If if the books follow follow somewhat the same storyline as the as the show, then we find out that he is um, he preys on young women. He takes advantage of them. <clears throat> so yes, uh, I don't remember why I, what I, we were talking about. I was just enraged by. Oh yes, uh, I I would I would think that I would maybe if I mean the book was free, so it was so easy. It was just like here in front of me. Sure, so you would read it yeah. if you could. Read it for free. I mean, I don't know if I would go to the library and, like, take out the book. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, technically that's still free. Well, yeah, but it... T- but, but you but can't I'm, do it on I'm responsible iPhone. for it. True. I mean, come on. I know, it was... It, like, like literally, yeah, I read this, I read this book like, in, like, in, in, like, down moments. I never, like, sat down and went, I'm reading Pretty Little Liars right now. It's like, I'm taking a shit and reading Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> I'm, like, brushing my teeth and reading Pretty Little Liars. I'm... It sounds like you couldn't put it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it was quite compelling. I was, like I said, I was kind of impressed by it. Um, I would like to see where, where it goes. I mean, the, the one thing that, that was not even remotely cleared up at all is that in the books, if, if, if A is Allie from the beginning and A is never Mona, then, and we're assuming that this is the case, because this is all just hearsay anyway, but um, why? Why does Allie do this stuff? Which sure. is just the same question we have on the show. Like, why right. Why is Allie A? What, is that, what does it serve her to, to treat her friends this way? Right. Um, well, and I think that the danger of being a viewer of the show is that no one on the show necessarily has the um, motive to actually give you an honest answer and for, you know, Allie allegedly has told us everything that happened the night she disappeared, but I think we can now say that that's probably complete bullshit, mm-hmm. knowing what we know about her over the course of season five. Yeah. So it's like, whether the show, when is the show even going to set up a situation where somebody's going to actually give a, a real confession? Yeah. You know, who's going to be a trustworthy narrator? Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that the show has to sort of either be very heavy handed about. Um, or 
somebody's just going to have to stumble into somebody's diary or something like that, and we'll get to it that way. Have you guys... Uh, have you have you read many young adult novels in your time? I'm saying this because I used to... Like, I've told... Like, you both probably know. I used to teach young, young adult book discussions for Sh the Chicago Public Libraries when I lived in Chicago. And so... I was more accustomed to how a young adult novel is, you know, and so probably also more apt to, to, to read it, I guess. I guess not since I was a young adult myself reading Goosebumps and Animorphs and things like that. <laughs> um, I did read The Hunger Games, which I thought was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It did, it did not make me want to pick up three more books that I You read all the Hunger Games? I just read the first one. Oh. And it was, you know, it gets better by the end because it gets into the action, but the mm -hmm. opening, like, couple of chapters, the writing is really atrocious. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's the benefit the Hunger Games have, is it's not very well written, but the action, once the action starts going, it, you can sort of just forget about the writing and, and sort of get into the story a bit. Um, which is not how Twilight works, because Twilight is just fucking boring all the way through. Sure. <laughs> and it's also terribly written, so at the end of it, you're just like, why would anyone ever want to continue reading this? This is, it's, it's like, I Because don't know, of vampires. I guess. And love. Vampires and love. Yeah. Okay, whatever. What about you, Phil? Have you ever read Young Adult Novels? Um, I mean, I read Harry Potter and Golden Compass, but, and then... You know, things like Goosebumps and stuff when I was a kid. Um, but reading, uh, like, Golden Compass and Harry Potter as a person in my 20s, um, there's a little bit of detachment with, like, the, the, the stories were great and it was really entertaining, um, but, you know, the, the characters are young, they're kids, mm -hmm. so they're not, like... They're not totally relatable to me as, as a twenty-something man, but um, the story was great, and that's what what matters. And they were compelling to read. Yeah, Golden Compass is something where I, I think I guess it would technically fall into a young adult category, but it's the writing is really sophisticated, and so are the ideas. You know? um, Definitely the ideas, yeah. And Harry Potter, as it goes on, you know, uh, ages with the right. I guess what's, you know, it's strange, and I was thinking about this as I was reading Pretty Little Liars, what's strange about, strange about uh, most young, young adult novels that I think have come out in the past maybe decade is that um, they want to portray being a teenager in a very realistic light, but, but they're portrayed in such a realistic way that it almost seems sometimes obscene. You know, where it's like, well, okay, what does a teenager think about all the time? Oh, must, a teenager must think about sex all the time, you know, or a teenager, uh, like, is experimenting with adding the word fuck to their, to their common everyday vocabulary, and they are trying to experience life for what it is, but it eventually feels like there's some line being crossed where... I don't even I don't even know entirely how I feel about this, but at some point it was like young adult, young adult novels went from uh, s stories that were targeted at young adults to stories about young adults told from an adult perspective. Sure. Where an adult perspective would would be like 
Like what an adult would want to They're talking about blowjobs all the time, and they're you know, smoking, and they're saying fuck a lot, and there's like, it, it feels like, it's almost like American Pie was just like, young adults are actually adults, just with, they're just younger. Tiny hands. <laughs> <laughs> the tiny the smaller, hands. Smaller, smaller, smaller bodies. And I think that, it, that there's probably, like, I think Pretty Little Liars is good in that it's realistic, and it's, it's honest um, about real issues that that teenagers face while it's also this totally farcical like thriller story murder mystery kind of thing but and it never focuses too readily on like gritty details but I do think that there's a lot of tendency for young adult novels nowadays um, to just like be only about sex or sure. only about like doing drugs you know that's how I felt about the the pilot when I watched it up, uh, up until the end where they have the the reveal at the end like the cliffhanger sure to get you to tune into the next episode but um that that's how i felt for for the majority of that episode was it was um adults writing things for kids that were like you know to to appeal to them only because they were doing things that would be considered provocative Mm -hmm. Um, yeah there's some pot smoking in the first episode yeah and like everybody everybody kind of has some some dirt on them and, and a little bit of grit um but then at the end of it, I was left wondering, like, okay, well, obviously that was a setup to make none of the characters particularly likable. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know what? They actually that's never really something that I ever thought about from the beginning. The liars are—they're not very likable characters. Sure. You know, um, I think the most likable character is Emily because she's just struggling with her her sexual identity really right and who she is and she but like hannah's kind of an asshole uh spencer's like pretty stuck up and you know flirting with her sister's fiance yeah and aria is just like so artsy fartsy like oh man there's the scene in the in the book where she gets up to give a book report um or some sort of report like some oral presentation on uh on uh uh, waiting for Godot, and she starts talking about when she saw because she, you know, because they, in the book they went to Iceland for a year just like they do in the in, in the series and uh, and she really blossomed into a, a a young woman while she was in Iceland and, and, you know, really came into her own, and so she tells the story about when she first saw Waiting for Godot in Paris right. and, like, describes, like, the smells and the lights and, and and like trying to paint it all romantically, and uh, and it's funny because Fitz is just like, uh, you need to talk about the play. Like this is an oral presentation about the play, uh, so sit down, you know, and shut up. Um, but it's just like so. Like Arya would be someone who's like, um, like this is like, I'm a storyteller. I'm an artsy storyteller, and so it's about painting a picture and giving that right context because context is where it's at. Also, after her first meeting with Fitz. She, uh, she <laughs> decides to write a haiku about her feelings and sends it and texts it to him. Because it can fit into, <laughs> you know, 140 characters or however many. It's like she them. decided to write a haiku because it's her favorite form of poetry. It doesn't say, like, why it's her favorite form of poetry. And then she sends it to him. Right. 
And he, and I'm sure that he was. I'm sure there was a really great haiku, and he probably and I was like, "Wow, this is a fantastic haiku. This really touches me." This is really. She's really mastered the haiku form. <laughs> what a what a you know, wonderful young student I have here. Aria Montgomery, secret haiku lover. Yeah. Um, she writes some haikus about Pretty Little Liars. What is it? What is it? Five five seven five seven five. Yeah. Yes. I okay. I might not read again. That's too bad. That's uh, right. I might not read ever. Ever. <laughs> Damn it. He's he's counting on his fingers <laughs> over here. It's not working out. Um, I don't know if I can improvise a haiku. Well, we should probably wrap this one up. We went over our sort of our fake time limit on the last podcast. <laughs> the monsters were pissed. If, yeah. If you got through that last one, thank you. I think we got to some deep and interesting places, um, but also it was super long, and this one will not be. Um, so yeah. as as usual, uh, you can rate us on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Um, should we go real quick through uh, people that we hope should, should should sponsor us this week? Yeah, who who would we like to have sponsor um, on the podcast? I'm right now. I am drinking a Wanderlust IPA from Breakside Brewery, Portland's own Breakside Brewery. Uh, Pretty so, close to my house. Yeah, that's close to where Phil lives. Um, Very nice. Also, uh, um, Phil is having a baby soon, possibly any moment. Yeah, maybe right now. So if you have Let a suggestion check. for what Phil nope, should name right his now. child, they haven't decided on a name. It's a it's a male child. It's a male child. Um, Any ideas that you come up with uh, will obviously be taken into serious consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Send it Toby, in. Toby. No. Ezra? <laughs> no, it's got to be better than Ezra. Oh! <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we can do better than that. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Pretty Little Crowd. Uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, act normal, bitches. Don't cut, cut my secret. If one of us is dead.